Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. This is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. And today I'm excited to have Ben Kolhaber, who's a lifetime, lifelong competitive gamer who was on the founding team at Twitch in 2011, where he worked for more than seven years. Uh, ben leveraged his connections to esports company to help Twitch acquire crucial early partnerships and play various critical roles at Twitch as the company scaled and, uh, uh, and uh, including helping to launch the brand and spanning uh, content acquisition partnerships, PD and content marketing, leading small teams uh, and a bank who with Twitch as it grew from a small startup to a major corporation from under 25 companies to over 1,500 uh, being purchased by Amazon in 2014. Uh, ben has now Founded his next venture, which is Juke, uh, in 2019. Uh, Juke is a startup which aims to become a central hub uh, for the global esports community. Uh, ben is a, is, a, is a company CEO and heads up marketing, content, partnerships, uh, and fundraising for the company. Uh, Juke is founded by five hundred startups. Uh, welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, you know, uh, it's 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 interesting that you've been uh, you know part of such a, such a big company called Twitch and in the in the founding team. Um, in fact, I I've also been part of early teams of startups back in India and uh, been into the role of business development partnerships. But what really got into startups? What what got you excited to be in this uh, crazy world of startups? Um, well, I think my story is maybe. I don't know, maybe similar to, to others, maybe different from others, because I, w- I never had this intentional decision of I want to get into a startup uh, or I want to work in a startup environment. It was more my passion for esports set me up to get a job at Twitch in the first place. So I actually um, most most of you listening to this probably know about esports. You probably have hearing been hearing about it over the last five years as it's grown exponentially. Uh, but I started playing games competitively all the way back in the early 2000s, like 2001, 2002, when the term esports didn't even exist yet. So it's no stretch to say. I've been involved in this industry for uh, about 20 years uh, and even before there was an industry. So, uh, you know, it was my greatest passion and uh, and I became extremely involved in the esports space. No one was making any money, but I was creating content. I was organizing tournaments. I was playing in tournaments. And that was and that was all really the perfect experience to land me a job then at Justin TV, which is my first job straight out of college. I joined the team to help them build Twitch to help them build their gaming outreach, uh, their gaming outreach team, uh, because I already had these connections in the space. Uh, so, you know, I think I'm one of the very lucky few who is able to take a passion and then make a career out of it. And, and uh, just so happened to be at a small startup like Justin TV that went through that exponential growth. Got it. And, uh, you know, what what uh, made you start Jute? Uh, you know, very interestingly, uh, you know, before the call, we also talked about that you you big on esports and you somehow feel that you know esports could be bigger than national sports, especially you know it's very true in two thousand twenty. But uh, but how has COVID you know impacted esports or has it really impacted uh, esports in general? I know uh, you know uh, sports uh, it has impacted sports, but but what are your thoughts on uh, yeah. on COVID and why did you start Jute? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll start with the the why part for for Juke first. Um, so again, you probably know that esports is growing 
like crazy right now. Over the last 10 years, it's grown from, I don't know, 50 or 100 million fans to now over 500 million fans worldwide are tuning in to watch esports uh, on a monthly basis. Um, and this number is, there's no signs at all that this is going to slow down. So, you know, things are going great. Um, revenues are growing quickly. Uh, viewership is growing even faster. But one problem I think is actually holding back the potential of esports. That comes from it stems from the fact that it's just such a fragmented space. You know, when you're an outsider looking into esports, where do you start? Where do you go? How do you know what tournaments are happening this weekend? How do you know about the the the, the trending news and, and uh, big drama and player transfers and uh, and you know how do you follow up on what big events happened last week and the highlights and things like that? The truth is, it's such a fragmented space that you have to go to many 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 different sources to get this kind of information. So our our goal with Juke is to lower the barrier to entry to enjoying esports in the first place. We want to make it as easy as possible to understand what's happening, to tune in and watch a broadcast, to find highlights, to find scores, to find news, all of that in one place kind of for the first time. Um, so really, I think our mission is to accelerate the growth of esports even further by making it easier to consume this content, because frankly, it's quite difficult right now. Um, and, you know, to, to talk about COVID just a little bit, I think it, obviously everyone knows that traditional sports was completely dead for a little while this year. There was a couple months where no traditional sports were happening anywhere in the world. Um, right. But in, during that time, esports was able to flourish. So, um, you know, it hasn't been all positive, obviously. You know, it, 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 many events were shut down in esports as well. Esports does tend to happen typically in sports stadiums with 20,000 fans. So it's not good that that isn't able to happen right now. But Esports can be played online. So that really is this differentiating factor, which allowed esports during that period to continue to grow, continue to have more and more events around the world and get new fans. Because frankly, there are a lot of sports fans that are that were craving that competition and they actually found it in esports. So on the whole, you know, it's hard to say COVID was a net positive for anything in the world. I think is just such a terrible, terrible thing that we're still struggling through. But uh, in the case of esports, it was actually an opportunity to gain new fandom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. About COVID, I think every day above ground is, is, is a great day. But, uh, but you know, uh, who do you think are the other demographics of esports? Uh, you know, is, it, is it people who have high household income and majority of them are men? Or, you know, what are your thoughts on, uh, on the demographics? Well, uh, more now than ever, uh, esports fandom is fairly split evenly between uh, male and female fans. I think obviously, yes, it does tend to skew towards men, but certain games are coming out like Overwatch or Valorant, some of these newer games that are a bit more inclusive with their character design and things like that, that are definitely making the making esports in general a bit more diverse in terms of its fan base and in terms of just who is represented in the games themselves. Um, so that's a trend that's been happening consistently over the last couple of years and I think is only going to continue to happen, um, especially as uh, as esports does begin to replicate a bit more of traditional sports models um, and bring in fans. You know, we're starting to see city based teams. So you've got, uh, you know, the Los Angeles Gladiators uh, versus the, you know, Shanghai Dragons and Overwatch League. And that brings in fans in a much more inclusive way. Um, 
But I think, yeah, if you, if you look at all of the market research on esports, the average fan is actually much more wealthy than your average inter- internet user and much more educated as well. So it is definitely a super attractive audience for advertisers. Current. And, uh, you know, uh, when you look at Juke, you have, you know, product features like uh, streams, news and content um, and other features. But uh, are you focusing on uh, creating, uh, you know, streams or would you also be creating on products on, uh, you know, games uh, going forward? Yeah. So uh, if you go to Juke today, we're taking all of this vast world of esports and making it more digestible in a single pass package. And part of that for us is aggregating content. But another part of that for us is creating content ourselves. So we've begun over the last three months to create our own original content on all of our social media channels, as well as on the site itself, writing editorial. Um, over the next six months, our plan is to launch a podcast that covers all of the biggest news in esports, as well as uh, as additional shows that really break down everything you know need to know about what's happening in esports, from trending news to uh, predictions for tournaments and things like that. So for us. I think there's a huge opportunity in original content. It, actually, a big niche is not being filled right now in esports. Uh, so that that is something that we're really excited about. And, and, and you know, I want to understand how do you, how do you market your your product? You know, uh, uh, since we have a lot of lot of listeners who are trying to either start the businesses or grow the businesses, how do we get those first one thousand or ten thousand or hundred thousand uh, users? Yeah. Especially it's a B two C product. Well, for us, we really built, you know, as esports fans, we built Juked based on our, our own needs and our own pain points. Um, and so, so the moment that we actually launched Juked, uh, we were able to just get a good amount of traction right away because this is a product that the esports community in general has been uh, looking for and asking for and and discussing. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've talked about this problem over the last decade with industry insiders, uh, community members, friends, uh, influencers throughout the space where pretty much everyone knows that it's a pain to follow everything happening in esports. So the moment that we came out with our product and said, hey, we're trying to solve this problem. We're trying to grow esports for the next generation of esports fans. I think we were able to get a lot of community goodwill and just grow organically that way. Um, we're also obviously uh, implementing, you know, growth hacking and, and just standard marketing pr- best practices. You know, making sure that SEO is really optimized has been huge for us. SEO has been a, one of our biggest drivers of traffic, especially over the last couple of months. We've also been able to strike partnerships in esports. Um, you know, I think our founding team is very uniquely positioned to do this because we have so many uh, years of experience in the space. We know the tournament organizers who are producing the biggest events. We know the executives at esports teams. So we can strike partnerships in a really mutually beneficial way that have been able to drive a lot of traffic for us. And then we're also producing original content now, which uh, itself can just be a, a uh, acquisition channel for us. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that we're getting uh, or, or traffic, but essentially all of it's organic. We're not spending money on Google or Facebook right now. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, I wanted to understand how, how you plan to monetize uh, your product or, 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 you know, have you started monetizing your, your product? You know? Yeah, we are essentially pre-revenue uh, yeah. right now. So the goal for us over the next 12 months is to um, begin a subscription model 
where users will be able to pay five to ten dollars per month for access to additional content and features on the site. Uh, and I think as we as we scale, we don't necessarily need Spotify numbers of sixty percent of our users as active paying subscribers. I think you know two to three percent of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of users. Uh, quickly becomes pretty lucrative. And then another model for us is uh, as we do begin to expand our original content, direct sales and sponsorships. Uh, you know, there's a ton of non-endemic brands that don't have a presence in esports that are looking to break into this space right now. Um, so as we begin to build out our own properties, like podcast, talk show, highlight shows, things like that, there's a lot of really great opportunities to bring those non-endemic brands into the into the fold with juked and then the last part which we're keeping our eye on is is really sports betting and fantasy esports where uh, you know this is something that you know we talked about COVID earlier i think COVID has accelerated the timelines for fantasy esports in, in esports yes. betting exponentially i think what was going to happen in three to five years is probably going to happen within the next year in that arena so that's something else we're definitely looking uh looking at very closely yeah, very interesting point about fantasy esports and sports betting because uh, uh, you know in India there's a company called Dream Eleven which is now unicorn status and I think this year itself a lot of uh, people started using you know uh, sports betting and fantasy esports so I totally agree on that. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, wanted to understand you know who are your competitors or uh, are you the only one trying to solve the problem? Oh, we're we're not the only ones trying to solve this problem. Uh, right at the very beginning of the conversation, I talked about the fact that it's you have to go to all these different sources, right? So within esports, there are endemic companies which will do this for one game, right? There's there's a there's a product or service which focuses on Counter Strike, or a product or service which focuses on Dota Two, or in uh, on an individual game basis, there are incumbents in the space. So really, I think a big challenge for us is to sh is to say to our you know all of those users who are using those other products that will have the same quality, will have even better content, will have even deeper stats and, and scores, and will have the community aspect as well. So that if you follow Counter-Strike and you also follow League of Legends, all you need to do is come to Juke to find that content. So I think that's really one of our biggest challenges is, is, is those existing community sites that uh, esports fans are already using. We have to prove that without a shadow of doubt, we have that same content, if not better. And we have, you know, even more unique and different uh, social functionality gamification that brings people in from across the spectrum. Um, there are a couple other competitors out in the space. I think one of them is called Strafe, um, which has an app, which is uh, has, a, I would say, a similar goal to to our mission of just creating a one stop destination for many esports. Uh, but I think we're we're building a product that's much more inclusive. We're supporting many more games than any of our competitors, and uh, I think uh, you know I think our brand and our product experience can uh, can definitely differentiate us. And um, you know. Uh, uh uh, I, know, I know you talked about that you pre revenue right now, but uh, you know, do you have any timelines on uh, on you know when you want to start monetizing and uh, you know what what are your monthly uh, uh, you know, active users if you are okay to talk about? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, we're we're um, over fifty thousand monthly active users now, which uh, right. we're pretty excited about. We're able to do that organically, um, so those are unique users coming to the site on a monthly basis. Um, our goal is to get to like a hundred thousand before we really start to lean into monetization heavily. Uh, you know, I think for us, we've been able to raise 
great uh, capital through through crowd equity, through some amazing angel investors. Um, so we're in a position where we can focus on the core product. We can focus on growth uh, for the next kind of three three to four months, I think. And then um, as we do continue to grow and, and, and expand our user base, uh, every single uh, additional user we have, it makes more sense to then shift our focus to monetization. We do expect to shift our focus to monetization in Q1 of 2021, uh, roughly. Yeah, that's our plan. And uh, are you currently in use pocket or are you also looking to expand into other other countries, especially, you know, Asia and Europe? Yeah. You know, our audience does skew heavily to North America. Um, but I think that's only because of who we are as a company. We are a North American company. Um, we are very international in terms of the support that we have for esports. So we'll have, uh, Japanese language streams. We'll have Korean language streams. We'll have, Brazilian Portuguese language streams, Russian streams. Um, so from the very get-go, we've made sure to support as broad of a swath of the esports industry as we possibly can. So our ambitions are definitely global, um, but for now, definitely a little bit more US-centric. Uh, I have an interesting stat for you. Did you know that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Uh, you know, you very interestingly used Republic uh, as a crowd-running platform, uh, which is funny, why did you not use, uh, you know, a VC fund as a growth capital to raise capital sure. for your startup? Well, first of all, we did close a pre-seed round where we were part of, part of 500 startups. Uh, we were also backed by Novius Capital, which is uh, AngelList Syndicate. Um, no. And we have a lot of really amazing angel investors uh, as part of our syndicate as well. So we're super excited about our list of investors. Uh, we've got guys like Stuart Alsop, who is the lead investor in Twitch's Series A, um, Mike Morheim and Amy Morheim, who's uh, Mike was the co-founder of Blizzard Entertainment. If you're a gamer, you know that name, uh, creators of Starcraft, World of Warcraft, etc. cetera, um, Overwatch. So, you know, we've got a great syndicate already. I think we're excited about crowd equity and particularly Republic because we thought it was an amazing concept to actually give the esports community itself the opportunity to invest and contribute to our success as a company. Um, you know, I think obviously we are going to look to vet, uh, venture capitalists for our next round. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially as we've, we're closing out this crowd equity round now. Uh, but we love the idea of getting thousands of esports fans with some skin in the game. Now there are even more incentive excuse me, incentivized to promote Juke, to contribute to our success. So there's a marketing aspect. There's a, a accountability aspect. We want to be accountable to our fans. Uh, so, you know, as perks on Republic, we're definitely giving fans access to our internal roadmap documents. We're giving them access to us as founders directly. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to love about crowd equity, uh, frankly, that um, you won't get from a VC. Uh, obviously, VCs offer some very unique things, you know, more introductions to, to other investors in later rounds. Uh, some VCs really get hand, their hands dirty with operations side of things. But there's a ton of upside, I think, to having thousands of your own community members actually able to invest in, in your company. 
Yeah, no, absolutely, uh, Emmanuel, and that, and uh, you know, uh, once once you once you raise the money, what 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 are the expansion plan, and what what are you going to use money for? Yeah, um, we're primarily raising to uh, to accelerate uh, development of the product um, to get our content engine really going. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're currently web and mobile web only. So we need to get an app out to market. We need to launch our monetization functionality. We have a lot of social features that are in the pipeline, which we're extremely excited about. Um, all of this takes a lot of engineering resources. So uh, we are looking to hire at least two to three engineers over the next couple of months. That is our goal. And then also on the content side, uh, I mentioned a podcast, I mentioned talk show, mentioned video content. Uh, we need to bring talent into the fold to do that. Um, so those are the primary areas that we are raising against today. And uh, and that's a big part of why we're raising this equity round on Republic is to you know expand our team and accelerate the development of these different initiatives. Right, and uh, other than you, you know who's part of the team, or uh, are you the only part of? Uh, are you the only founder for the company? No, my co-founder, his name is Chris Chan. Uh, he's been in esports for about as long as I have. Uh, longtime friend. Um, he also has the product and engineering uh, experience. So he's got 15 years uh, of product and engineering experience. Um, I think way back when he helped build eBay's mobile app and things like that. So he's pretty old school and and knows uh, knows his stuff when it comes to product. So he's, he's really leading that side of the company. Uh, we also have Dellen, who's our VP of engineering, uh, writing code every day. Uh, we have a, a marketing guy named Logan, who was uh, previously head of social Social media at a big esports team. Uh, we've also got a content manager as well who we brought into the fold. Um, so the team is about six people at this point, including a couple of folks on the engineering side, product side, myself as, as CEO, uh, and then uh, marketing and content as well. Right. And uh, Ben, you know, you do have a partnerships and content marketing and, uh, you know, business development experience. Uh, so do you think, you know, somebody who has to run a software company or, uh, or a tech company should, uh, they should have the technical jobs or, uh, you know, does it make sense to, uh, for both the founders to have technical skills? Uh, I wanted to understand your thoughts on yeah. Sure. I mean, if I could write code, that would be awesome. Um, right. It's not. It's not my background. It's not my. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't have that kind of repertoire. So, I think if you look at the typical Silicon Valley story, it usually is a couple of engineers, right, that are building right. a product, and one of the engineers is good at sales too. Um, so, I don't think that we followed the the standard path. I think. In this case, it makes sense because our business is a media company, essentially, um, and marketing content um, uh, partnerships are such an important part of our strategy that for us, the fact that I'm able to focus my time exclusively on those things uh, is helpful. Um, now, if you're building a deep tech uh, you know, product that, you know, find FinTech company or something like that. Obviously you do need to have, uh, experience and the ability to do business development and understand legal challenges and all that. But I think in a case like that, maybe it makes more sense to have a couple of founders who are all building the product. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think we took the typical route, but it was a route, you know, it works for us, I think. Got it. And I quickly want to do that box three. What's your favorite business book? You know, um, I'm staring at it right now. <laughs> I, I use this all the time, actually. Um, I don't know if this is going to come up on Zoom or not. Let's 
I think measure measure what matters. Measure from what matters. John John Doerr is one of my favorite business books of all time because um, it's got this like the concept just sounds incredibly boring of like how to measure how to set goals and how to measure them. Right. But it actually ends up being this incredibly engrossing uh, and engaging book. That's a bunch of stories about how uh, different founders uh, have implemented this into their, into their uh, companies. And um, I think it's one of the best books I've ever read in terms of um, inspiring um, organizational excellence. Uh, And, and there's a lot of really, really great nuggets in there that, um, that we actually use as a company quite a bit for, for setting OKRs. I really like that yeah. one. Yeah. No, absolutely, I think uh, setting up OKRs, and I think once you want to align it with your team, it can really work wonders. Uh, I mean, yep. where you need to follow uh, and be very disciplined on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so you go back in time when you started working on Jupe. Uh, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? Hmm. Yeah. So um, I think we built Jupe based on um, our own desires as esports fans. Um, and I think that that's one of the best ways to have a startup idea is you have that problem yourself. Um, I think one thing that we've discovered over time is that, and it, it you know, in retrospect, it's kind of, it, it is kind of obvious. Like we are the most, we are like the one percentile of most hardcore esports fans out there. Um, and you can't, if you're building a product for that really super ex, like intensely hardcore cohort of users, you can build a company doing that. But if it's a small group, then you have to have like really strong monetization built in and, you know, you have to build really hardcore features for them, but maybe you can charge 25 bucks a month or something like that. Um, we kind of like maybe chose like a middle ground of like, we're building a lot of these hardcore features, but we also want to appeal to a wider audience. So I think if, if we could go back and, and start uh, do it all over. I think I would spend more time talking to less hardcore esports fans about their needs um, because we really did build this for ourselves, which was great for and and it still is great for uh, for a certain cohort of users. But I think our vision is to be the again lower the barrier to entry to esports for all fans. Um, so I think uh, if we could go back, a lot more user interviews before we started working, I think would have been great. That makes sense. And uh, do you have any favorite online tools, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Um, you know, we we use all of them. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, I, I can't say that there's any one that stands out head and shoulders above the others is my favorite. Um, I would say, obviously, during COVID, Zoom has been in the, the tool I'm using the most every single day. Oh, actually I changed, changed my opinion. Um, Calendly has been my favorite new tool. I absolutely love Calendly. And we, we actually use this to schedule this meeting, um, because, um, the, the quantity of meeting of, of business development opportunities, um, user interviews that, that we're trying to schedule, uh, uh, partnership, uh, partnership conversations, internal meetings that we end up having, I can just send somebody a Calendly link and I don't have to think about scheduling ever again. It's, uh, it's like subtle. It's not like, Oh, I use Calendly 50 times a day. Like I would use Slack or I would use Trello, but it is something that just saves me 30 seconds, like 10 times a day. <laughs> and that really right. does add up. I think I really right. like Calendly a lot. No, absolutely. I think Calendly and Zoom is, is, the, is everything I need for my podcast. So I totally in love with it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, Ben. What is uh, uh, you know? I just want to give you a talk about about your uh, campaign on Republic. You know, well, how can people follow it and bring uh, uh, how much money yeah. can they invest in? Yeah, yeah um, head over to republic.co/juked. Uh, we've uh, we've gotten to roughly eight hundred and fifty thousand raised through the campaign so far. So we're super excited, blown away by the quantity of of investment that we've been able to get in a really relatively short amount of time. We will be looking to close out the campaign in the next month or two months. Um, so if you're interested in investing in the future of esports, I think this is a great opportunity to do that. I would definitely recommend you go check out our page. We've got everything you need to, to learn about the company, our future plans, where we've been, where we're headed. So uh, yeah, please do check us out at republic.co slash juked and consider investing. Um, minimum is 100, um, but all the information and terms are right there on the page. Got it. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, what is the best way people can reach out to you? Ah, you can just email me, ben at juked.gg anytime if you're interested. Always happy to chat with other founders and, and give feedback and advice in, in case that sounds interesting to you. Uh, or if you're interested in learning more about Juked, I'd be happy to chat about it. Well done. Thank you so much for taking your time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed speaking to you. All right. Thanks a lot, Rohit. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.